I want to speak to you for a few minutes today concerning the very best version of you. I know we've already kind of gone long, so I'm going to walk through this pretty quickly. I want you to follow me. The first thing I want us to understand is that it is God's will for you to be productive and effective as a human being, as a Christian, as someone who is a representative of the kingdom of God. We're not talking about self-help motivation just to make you wealthy and be successful in business. That's motivational speaking. We're talking about investing your life in eternity. Investing your life in the kingdom of God. One of the pillars of my life, there's some, there's some Bible verses that really comprise the founding pylons of my life. When you build a bridge or a across water or even on, on land, you, you, you pound pylons down into the ground for a deep foundational structure upon which to build the rest of the edifice. And those pylons are very important. One of the pylons of my life is Matthew 6.33. And it says, Seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness and everything you need will be added to you. The reason I'm still in the ministry today is Matthew 7, 21, 22, and 23. And those verses say, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only he who does the will of my Father which is in heaven. Many will come to me on that day and say, Lord, Lord, in your name do we not prophesy and cast out demons and perform many miracles? And I will tell them plainly, I never knew you. Away from me, you evildoer. So it's not about the good things we do, even the churchy Christian things we do. It's very important that we understand we need to be doing God's will. My sister gave me a poster when I was 14 years old. It was basically blue and black. It had the moon shining through some naked trees. And the caption on the poster captivated me. All it said was, happy are those who dream dreams and are willing to pay the price to make them come true. A few years ago, I got a package in the mail because I lost that poster. And my sister, for Christmas one year, found that poster, had it put in a glass box and framed, and sent me another one. And now it's hanging in my basement. Happy are those who dream dreams and are willing to pay the price to make them come true. Father, I pray that over these next few minutes, you will speak to these beautiful people as only you can. Let me decrease that you might increase. In Jesus' name, amen. I believe God wants us all to become the very best version of ourselves. I don't mean that in some humanistic way. The only way to do this is through Christ. Let's be clear up front. This isn't motivational speaking. It's a spiritual dynamic. The very best version of you can only be achieved in a relationship with Jesus Christ. Everything else is humanism. And the first thing I want to share with you today is that if you have a dream, you must first become the person who can fulfill that dream. If you have a dream, you must first become the person who can fulfill it. If you wanted to build a house out of logs in the Alaskan wilderness and go off-grid and live there the rest of your life, you'd have to first educate yourself in what kind of trees to cut. You'd have to get the right equipment to cut those trees. You'd have to understand how to build a cabin notch. 
You'd have to know how to use power tools and hand-powered tools. You'd have to understand what kind of rocks to use to build a fireplace, or you'd have to create a wood stove and take that with you. You'd have to understand where to actually build that house, how close to the water is it going to be safe. You'd have to school yourself. The average person who doesn't know anything about building a log cabin is not just going to go to Alaska and build a cabin and be okay. You've got to become the person that can make that dream come true. You've never seen a sign anywhere that said, Burt's brain surgery, discounts on Tuesday. <laughs> if I saw one, I ain't going. Ralph's Cosmetics, lawnmower blade sharpened too. You're not going to see anybody, any ladies in there for, for plastic surgery. You've got to become the person that you need to become in order to make your dreams come true. I didn't just fall into the ministry I was called into it. I bypassed a lot of things to stay true to that calling. I'm not trying to impress you, but I could have made a lot of money doing other stuff. And I stayed in the ministry because it was the calling of God on my life. And, I, and that is true even up until a couple of years ago. I had an incredible opportunity to make a ton of money. And I stayed in the ministry because it's God's calling on my life. Now, in anything that you want to do in life, you have to become capable of doing it before you're going to be successful. You know, some of the best conditioned athletes in the world are mixed martial artists. If you watch the Ultimate Fighting Championship, and I caution you, if you do watch it, uh, look away when the ring girls are ca carrying the signs. Up. Just don't look, you know. But um, if you want to become an MMA fighter... It's incredible what those guys go through to get themselves ready. I mean, I wouldn't jump in the ring with a 115-pound featherweight right now. I could just maybe lay on him. I don't know. <laughs> if I could ever get down on top of him, I'd just lay there like a seal, you know. And I know martial arts. I know some martial arts. I know a lot of it. But I'm not fooling myself. I don't have a cardio right now that's capable to do that. I don't have the cardio. I got about maybe, maybe five, six minutes of gas in the tank, and after that, I'm just a big 240-pound target. Pow, pow, pow. <gasps> just let me breathe. Hit me. Just let me breathe, you know. <laughs> you got to prepare yourself first before you're going to go up there and, and have the UFC belt around your waist. If you want to go become an Olympic champion, you've got to prepare yourself. Usain Bolt runs like a scalded ape. Man's just incredible. He's so fast. But even with his natural ability, he had to school himself. He had to prepare himself. Anything you want to do, you have got to prepare yourself. You've got to become the person who can fulfill that dream. The dream starts coming true inside us. With our own understanding that preparation has to happen before the dream is going to become reality. You're not going to become successful in anything in life by dreaming about it or by watching motivational videos or walking down the street and stepping in a manhole. It's just not going to happen like that. Wake up one morning and all of a sudden you look like you want to look. You feel like you want to feel. You've got money in the bank and it all happened overnight. That ain't going to happen. It takes preparation. You've got to become the person. I want to read you one of the most powerful chapters in the whole Bible. I'm going to read the whole chapter. And look, when I do this, uh, I want you to know something. 
a lot of times when pastors read the Bible, the, the people in the audience, some of them just kind of tune out because it's like you're just reading the Bible. That's, that's the most important stuff we do here. It's the one time I can never be wrong when I'm reading the Bible. <laughs> so, so listen to it. Therefore, I urge you, brothers, Romans chapter 12, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. You want to become a successful child of God? then become somebody who's a living sacrifice. That means every day you die to yourself and you live to Jesus Christ. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, His good, pleasing, and perfect will. But by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the faith God has distributed to each of you. But listen, each one of these statements just kind of stand on their own as incredible life advice. How to become that person who can fulfill the dream God has for you. But just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ we, though many, form one body. And each member belongs to all the others. We have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. If it is serving then serve. If it is teaching, then teach. If it is to encourage, then give encouragement. If it is giving, then give generously. If it is to lead, do it diligently. If it is to show mercy, do it cheerfully. It is very important that you understand something about this passage. These are called the motivational gifts. But I want you to get this. Paul did not just identify these gifts in this passage. He said this. If your gift is prophesying, then what? prophesy if it is serving then what if it is teaching then what it is not enough for us to take a assessment test to identify our gift i'm so sick of all these little gimmicky things that the kingdom of god does now you go to a church they give you a giftedness test come on man get in the closet of prayer and find out what god wants you to do you don't have to take a test to find that out what happened to relationship? What happened to being led by the Spirit? We've got a piece of paper and a computer program and a test and a, and a cool, new, powerless way to do everything that God really wants to accomplish by His Spirit. We've come up with a clever substitute for the anointing in almost every avenue of church life. If it's cool enough, if it's progressive enough, if it's modern enough, then wow, that's the new great thing. Let me tell you something, it's not going to get any better than the upper room ever in your life. Be led by the Spirit. Be led by the Spirit. If you've been given a gift, this passage is saying, don't just identify the gift. Use your gift. Part of all in is encouraging every one of you to get in the closet of prayer, decide what God wants you to be, and then become the person who can do that. If you're out here and you've got a gift to teach and you're not teaching, I want to know about that. I'm not going to promise you that you'll be in this pulpit next week. But you've got to become the person who can fulfill that. You've got to hone that gift. You've got to work on that gift. Man, I remember one of the toughest things I ever tried to do was learn how to fly fish. Fly fishing's different. You don't just grab a fly rod and go throw your fly out there. You, you're, casting, you're not casting weight. You're casting the line. It's, it's tough to cast line. I don't have anybody to teach me. 
I don't even have the right equipment. My fly rod, reel, line, leader, and everything I bought in a blister pack for $5. You can imagine the quality of that. So I got out in my yard in New Mexico. And I watched, a, I went to the, Blockbuster was still open back then. I went to the video store, rented a video on how to fly fish. I watched the how to cast thing. I got out in the yard and I just beat that fly uh, fishing line to pieces on the, on the gravel and the asphalt in my yard, teaching myself how to fly fish. Because in New Mexico, I only live close to streams. There was no lake where I lived. Well, there was, but you could only catch trout. And if you want to catch trout up there, you've got you to know how to fly fish. And I was determined. I mean, for days and days, hours and hours, I just beat. There were no ants left in my yard. I killed them all with the fly line. Pow! You know? No dogs came anywhere around. That's a crazy man will whip us, you know? But after a while, I got to where I could cast that thing. And then I went to the store and I bought some really good fly line. And it was like, whoosh, wow, this is how it's supposed to be. And in my basement, I have a trout, 26 inches long, 16 inches in girth, 10.5 pounds that I caught out of the San Juan River on 3.75 pound test line. And I caught about 40 more fish just like him that day. I've become a very good fly fisherman, just being honest with you. Because I worked my brains out to do it. You've got to become the person who can fulfill the dream that you want to achieve. In the kingdom of God, you've got to spiritually become the person who can do what God has called you to do. There are no shortcuts to that. I say to you again, there are no shortcuts to becoming the person who can fulfill the dream God's put in your heart. No shortcuts. No easy way. The Navy SEALs are right. The only easy day was yesterday. Every day they say that to one another. The only easy day was yesterday. So if you've got a gift, use it. Next verse. Love must be sincere. Love must be sincere. Love must be sincere. Love must be sincere. Anybody in your life that you want to go to heaven, you just don't want them to live next to you? Well, I don't want them to go to hell, and I want them to go to heaven, but I want them to live way over yonder in heaven. Time out, problem, red flag, penalty. Hate what is evil, cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in love. Honor one another above yourselves. Never be lacking in zeal. This requires effort right here. The older you get, and I speak from experience, the older you get, the more challenging it can be to keep your zeal about anything. Fan that flame every single day. Make it fresh. Keep it real. Don't lose your zeal. Keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. Share with the Lord's people who are in need. Practice hospitality. I feel the, the anointing of the Holy Spirit to say this. And this is not for somebody here. This is for somebody that you know for you to go tell. All right? Now listen, this is important. The devil does not care what it takes to carve you out of kingdom involvement. He will always find a legitimate seeming excuse to carve you out. To put you on the sideline. And, we're, and we justify in so many ways how, yeah, but I still love God and I'm doing my thing. And I talk to people here and I do people there. And I, and how are we going to really fulfill the calling of God in our lives separate from the church Jesus died to initiate? 
Share with the Lord's people who are in need. Practice hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Mourn with those who mourn. Live in harmony with one another. You know what this is basically saying? Care. Just care. Do not be proud, but be willing to associate with people of low position. Do not be conceited. Do not repay anyone evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Do not take revenge, my dear friends, but leave room for God's wrath. For it is written, it is mine to avenge. I will repay, says the Lord. On the contrary, if your enemy's hungry, feed him. If he's thirsty, give him something to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Number two, you are what you are today because of the decisions you've made up to now. Your future self will be the result of what you do from now going forward. You can be whatever you choose to be. Now, I want you to listen to this, and I want you to read that, because it's powerful. You and I have the freedom to become whatever we want to become. If you're willing to work hard enough at it, you can become whatever you want to become. Probably the most difficult thing to become in the world is a Navy SEAL. It's just really difficult. 80% 80% attrition rate the first week of class. It's amazing. But if you want to do it, and all you got to do, anytime you want in Bud's class, take your little red cap, run up to the building, sit it down, and ring the bell. Instantly, you get a hot meal, a shower, and a bed to sleep as long as you want. And breakfast when you get up. All you got to And they're always telling you, you know what? Go ring the bell. Go ring the bell. Take your hat off. Go ring the bell. Put it down. You want to quit, don't you? Huh? 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 They want to carve you out because they only want the very best, most committed, most radical, most sincere, most absolutely committed people they can get up there because of the nature of their work. Yet there are SEAL teams and there are men who accomplish this. So you are what you are today because of the decisions you've made up to now. Think about that for a minute. Let that soak in. And I know some of us are sitting there going, but, but it's not that simple. And it may not be that simple. There may have been decisions that you made that ran right into a brick wall. You may feel like somebody deceived you and did you wrong and, and cut you off at the pass and, and, and messed up your future and made an agreement they didn't keep. And I know it's not always as simple as that, but by and large, the decisions that we've made in our lives have brought us to where we are. The good news is you are one, listen, one decision away from a totally different life. Because from this moment, not tomorrow, not next week, from this very moment going forward, your decisions are going to point you and actually create the future with God that you're going to live out. Think about that. You can become anything you choose to be. Saul, in Acts chapter 9, there's a story. Saul was murdering people, putting them in prison. He was trying to destroy the church. He was like the, 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 the general in the Sanhedrin's army that was being groomed to take over the high priesthood. He was just, in the, in the Jewish legal community, Saul was the enforcer. He was like Guido. I'll come and talk to you about all this. Huh? You don't want Saul coming after you. Yet on the road to Damascus, God zaps him with a light. He falls down. I don't know whether he was on a horse or not, and you know what? It really does not matter. I've heard people argue for 20 minutes over whether or not Saul was on a horse. Who cares? He fall down. Him eyes blind. He no see. (laughs) When he got up, he had a vision while he was down there. He had a vision of Jesus. Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Interesting that Saul 
that, that Saul had never met Jesus. And yet Jesus appeared and said, why are you persecuting me? When we persecute Jesus' church, we persecute Jesus. When you gossip about somebody across the way, you're gossiping about Jesus. And then Saul said, who are you, Lord? And he said, I'm Jesus whom you're persecuting. From that moment, Saul's life was radically different, and he made a 180-degree transformation. He became the greatest missionary in the New Testament writings. I want to meet Paul. Change his name. You know, when you become a different creation, God looks at you as if you're a whole different person. I think God changes our name. You know, in the, in the ends of time, when everything's wrapped up, he's going to give all of us a white stone with a new name written on it. That's the name he's calling us now. Just hope and pray it doesn't say bonehead, you know. <laughs> Boomerang. <laughs> I'm serving God, I'm going backslide. Serving God, I'm backslide. Boomerang. You don't want us to be boomerang. You don't want to be bonehead. Solomon had a choice. God appeared to him and said, what do you want? Ask for anything and I'll do it. Man, I just wish one time. And Solomon said, I want $500 bazillion. No, he didn't. He said, I want all my enemies to die. No, he didn't. He said, I want women from all over the world. No, he didn't. And thankfully, he didn't want men either. <laughs> you have to clarify that nowadays. He said, give me wisdom. There was wisdom in him to ask for wisdom. What a great thing to ask for. God said, because you've not asked for long life or revenge on your enemies or great wealth, I'm going to give you all that plus the wisdom you asked for. Man, you ask for the right thing, you get more stuff. It's like the kid that comes up with a Christmas list this long and demands of his parents, I want all this stuff or I'm not going to be happy! Versus the kid who says, I know you love me. Just, I'll be happy with whatever you give me. <laughs> money, money, just give it to him. I saw an interview with Donald Trump, who is now our president. He was not president when this interview took place. Before he was President Trump, he was just Donald Trump. He was a younger man. His, his hair was still wild, but not as yellow. <laughs> I admire the guy shoots pot wear his hair the way he wants to. And it is real. He asked a talk show host, with the talk show host says, hey, can I pull your hair? He said, yeah, go ahead. And the guy pulled his hair and messed it up. And it was like, cool. I can't imagine somebody super gluing a toupee on their head. But anyway, they were asking him, well, you've become a successful real estate investor. What do you see in your future? And he looked at the person and he said, I don't know. Maybe I'll become president of the United States. Sure did. Many, many years ago. You are what you are today because of the decisions that you made. But your future is an unwritten scroll. Think about this. All your tomorrows are a blank parchment stretched out to the horizon of possibility. You can write on that thing anything you want. Nobody, no law, no power, no force has trapped you in a life that you don't like. Nobody says you've got to be what you are today. There's no force in the universe that can keep you from something if you want it badly enough. The best version of you is the version of you who decides, I am going to choose to become what God wants me to become. That's the best version of us that we can be. Number three, you can either chase your dream or just live out whatever life throws at you. 
I've seen a lot of people, talked to a lot of people, been in the ministry a long time for a young man. And I think that a lot of people in our world today are frustrated basically because when they were young and bright-eyed and full of hope and possibility, 16, 17, 18 years old, they had these dreams and visions of grandeur, what their life was going to turn out to be. And then they ran full on into the brick wall of reality and their dreams didn't quite take shape the way they thought and their life doesn't look like they wanted it or imagined it to. Listen, I'm, I, I want you to hear this. My dad was my hero, all right? He was my best friend. I love my dad. We were just like this. I was a little, little boy. He had a red and white pickup truck. First pickup truck I ever remember riding with him. Had red interior back in the day when you had to actually roll up the window. with. They didn't even have power windows back then. We barely had television. It was three days old. Daddy took me for a ride in the truck. Hopped in the truck beside him. He looked at me and said, where you want to go, son? I looked at him and I remember saying it. He said, I don't care, Daddy, as long as I'm with you. There's a book written called The Power of With. It's a weird book, I'm going to tell you, but it tells a great story, and that actual line is in there. That actual scene is in there. A little boy getting in the truck with his dad saying, I don't care where we go as long as I'm with you. Listen, stop trying so hard to manufacture this structured future and just start trying to be the person that's available and useful to God and enjoy the ride. Learn to enjoy the journey of being with God instead of always trying to perform for God. My daddy loved me whether I hit a grand slam home run and won the all-star game or whether I struck out four times. He loved me just the same. I'm not giving anybody a pass on sloppy living in sin, but I am saying no matter how we perform for God, it's not going to make him love you anymore. It's not about performance. It's about relationship. It's about being with God. It's about understanding that you can chase your dream. You can pursue it, or you can take what life throws at you. The, the army of Israel had taken what life threw at them. They, they were all coward. This giant named Goliath came out there every day and challenged the whole army. Everybody was scared to death of him until a little boy named David showed up. And David was like, okay, i got a choice here. I can be like all the rest of these cowards. Or I can do something different. Listen, if you want a different result, you got to make different choices. If you want a different tomorrow, you got to do something different than you did yesterday. David decided, this ain't working. I'm going to do something different. Now listen, this is important. When you decide to do something meaningful with your life, Satan is every single time going to show up with a convincing counterfeit. Every time. Saul called King Saul, not Saul in the New Testament, King Saul in the Old Testament, called David into his tent and said, here, you're going to go fight the giant, use my armor. David put it on, tried to walk around. He said, man, you know, this just ain't me. I can't do this. Took the armor off. Never try to be somebody you're not. But always believe in God to make you the best version of you. David took what his gifts were. He knew the staff. He knew the sling. He got some stones, and it seemed like he was woefully ill-prepared to face the giant. But the one thing he had was the only thing he really needed, and that was the strong right arm of his God going with him to the battlefield. didn't matter that he had a stick and a piece of leather and some rocks. He had God. He could have taken a 50 caliber machine gun out there, and Goliath might have killed him. 
But he took God. He took God. He even said, you come at me with sword and spear and javelin, but I come against you not with the best sling money can buy at the, the local hardware store. I've got some smooth rocks. I'm going to jack your head. No, he didn't say that. He said, I come against you in the name of the Lord Almighty, the host of Israel. Man, he had the one thing he needed. You can become, listen, you can become, you can chase your dream, or you can live what life throws at you. But if you chase your dream, chase it with God. Jacob had a dream. He wanted Rachel. Worked for Laban for seven years. Come to find out, Laban tricks him, sends his older daughter, Leah, in there. I don't understand that passage because it says Jacob didn't realize it was Leah until like the next morning. I'm thinking, what'd y'all do? Y'all like play hide and seek on your wedding night? What'd y'all do? I mean, you know, after your wedding night, it seemed like you'd know who you married. I mean, I wasn't guessing. I woke up the next morning, I knew who was in that bed with me and it scared me to death. Because we were always, always so careful about that, you know. And I woke up the next morning, it's like, oh, my God, we finally did it. No, and I went, oh, yes, there's a ring. Thank you, Jesus. So thankful. I had a stroke at 20. So Laban was sweet. Some, some people believe he actually gave Rachel to Jacob the next week and then let Jacob work the seven years to earn her. But whether he gave her Jacob to Rachel, gave Rachel to Jacob the next week, or whether he had to wait seven years, the point is Jacob was willing to work 14 years for Rachel. I mean, he could have said, hey, Rachel, it was a great plan, but I just ain't got seven more years to pay for you, honey. I'm out, you know. But he didn't. He wanted her. He didn't just want a woman. He wanted the woman, and he was willing to work as long as necessary to earn her. You can chase your dream or just accept whatever life throws at you. I dare you, in the name of Jesus, don't just lay back and take whatever comes your way. Don't just walk through life like you have no power, you have no freedom, you have no choice, you have no ability. You and God can do anything you choose to do. Decide who you want to be. Decide what you want to become and chase your dream in the name of Jesus. And lastly, you start the process of transformation by deciding it's worth whatever it costs. Kelly, I want you to come play. Or did she leave? Dave, if you'll come play. Decide today that chasing your dream, becoming the person who can fulfill the dream, gearing your life toward making that dream become reality, it's worth whatever it costs. That's the decision you have to make because listen to me now. If you don't make that decision and you, dis you don't decide, all right, this dream I've got that God has put in my heart, this passion, this thing I want to become, this thing I want to do for God, it's so valuable to me, it's so important, it means so much to me that it's worth whatever it costs to make it come true. If you don't make that kind of commitment, the first time you face serious opposition, you'll crumble. I want to tell you something as we close. You're here today because God decided you should be here. I don't just mean here in this place. I mean you're here like alive. You're, you're, you exist. You have a life. 
because God decided that you should. A lot of people think, and maybe you were even told as a child that you're like a biological accident. Maybe your parents looked at you and said, we didn't plan on you, you were a surprise. You were not a surprise to God. I don't want to get graphic with you. But God decided that that sperm was going to swim to that egg. He's going to make his presence known, and you were going to be born. You are here by design of the Almighty God. You are here because God decided you were going to be here. God has a mission and a plan and a purpose for your life that nobody else can fulfill exactly like you. Think about that. What are you going to do with that? I know everybody's here probably seen the movie Braveheart. If you haven't, I will, I will tell you it is gory and violent, but it's worth the watch. It's worth the watch for the one scene where William Wallace, played by Mel Gibson, is riding back and forth in front of his troops. And he says, you stand here today as free men, and free men you are. And then he says, but what will you do with that freedom? What a question. What will you do with that freedom? As you sit here before me today, even if you're 102 years old, Colonel Sanders never sold his first piece of chicken that he'd retired in his 70s, maybe his 80s, and had $105 to his name. That's right. I don't care how old you are, how far along you may think you are, how poor you may feel in your health, it doesn't make any difference. You can become whatever you decide you're going to become. If you just decide, I'm determined to do this. I'm not going to let anything stop me. What are you going to do with that freedom? You have the freedom right now in this room as we sit to do anything with the rest of your life. Jesus even said these words, everything is possible to him that believes. Everything. What's your dream? What's your, what great thing do you want to do with your life? Your life is a gift from God. What's going to be the gift you give back to him? What's it going to look like? What's going to be the result of it? Happier are those who dream dreams and are willing to pay the price to make them come true. Now, lastly, I want to challenge you today to become involved in something bigger than just yourself. Become involved in something bigger and longer lasting than just you. If everything you stand for is going to end when they place that headstone at your grave, then maybe you ought to rethink what you're investing yourself in. All the great men of the Bible, every one of them, we don't just think about their lives. We think about their impact on humanity. Their legacy outlived them. Their influence outlived them. Today, thousands of years later, we read the stories of Elijah and Elisha, David, Benaiah, the great warriors, Abishai. The writings of these great men and some of the women of the Bible were amazing. Deborah. Some of these amazing women. What do you want to do with the rest of your todays? Whatever it is, with God's help, you can become the very best version of you. But the secret is this, and with this I close. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things will be added unto you. Let's all stand. And let's move out of our chairs and gather across the front one more time today.
it would be a grievous mistake for me to try to get you at this point to decide right here and right now what great thing you want to do with the rest of your life. Because that's not a decision you can make always in a five-minute altar prayer. But I am going to ask you to do this. Over the next days and weeks and months, I want you to begin to seek God like you never have before in your life. And, and seek Him with the, with the intri- intrigue of, Father, what do you want me to do with the rest of my life? Don't torture yourself with it. Just become a good listener. A lot of times we think relationship with God is all one-way communication. We pray. But become a good listener. Get into the Word. Spend some time quietly worshiping God. Pray, and then spend some time just thinking about Him. Maybe He'll speak to you. Not audibly necessarily, but in a very still, small impression of voice inside your spirit. God has a plan and a purpose for you. I dare you. I dare you to chase the dream. I dare you to believe again like you did when you were younger. I dare you to rise up out of the trap of where life has seemingly railroaded you, where you are today, and ask yourself, is this the life I really want? Is this the the me I really want to become? Am I becoming the person that God intended for me to become? I dare you. You only got one of these things to live called life. I dare you. I challenge you. To stop and assess where you are and how you got there. And then decide, is this, is this the dream I believe God for? And you may not be able to change it all today or tomorrow or the next week. And I'm not telling you to do anything foolish. But I'm asking you not to just accept what life has thrown your way. Don't just take whatever life throws at you. Return again to that place of prayer. Maybe you've been hurt. Maybe you've been disillusioned. There's not a fighter, no matter how gifted, no matter how good, who hadn't lost a fight, been knocked down, almost been beaten. We get hit. Life can take things from us. We can run into disappointments. We can feel like, what's the use? I dare you to get up, dust yourself off, look life square in the face, and get back on the track that God intended for you to be on. Heavenly Father, I just pray over these beautiful people today that every one of us in here will take the next days and weeks and months to really get close to you, not just to pray, but to draw close to you, to weed out of our lives so many things that are unnecessary and and actually interfere with our ability to hear you rather than accentuate it. I just ask you, O Lord, to speak to us, speak to your people, so that we would know the reason why you've given us life, so that we would know the very best version of us that you intended for us to become when you formed us in our mother's womb. Let us be unafraid to chase that dream because we're not doing it in our strength. We're not doing it in the flesh. We're not trusting in the machinations and designs of men. We're trusting in you, O Lord. We're trusting in you. You're our Father. We don't really care where you take us as long as we're with you. We don't really care where the truck goes as long as you're driving it, as long as we're in relationship with you. It's not so important that we set a goal and we reach that goal and we pat ourselves on the back for success. It's much more important that we become the people you want us to become and thereby fulfill the dream that you had in mind when you created us. 
It's not our dream that's important. It's your vision of who we want to be. Your vision of who we should become. Your plan, your intent, your purpose for giving us life and putting us here. Let us never lose sight of the fact that we only have one life. One chance to do something great for you. And what you put in our hearts to do. And that that doesn't mean everybody's called into full-time ministry. But there are some changes that we can make. There are some priorities we can move around. There are some commitments that we can switch around and put you first and seek you so we know for sure, we hear clearly, we understand with clarity what your calling is, what our passion should become. And we fearlessly pursue it. And we decide today, whatever it costs me, it's worth it. Whatever it costs me, it's worth it. Whatever it costs me, It's worth it. Speak to our hearts, O God, and confirm your calling to us. And then let us fearlessly march out into the greatest adventure of our lives, pursuing your plan and your purpose for us. In the mighty name of Jesus, all the people said, Can we give God praise in the house? Come on. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. No fear, no worry, no anxiety, no doubt. If God is for you, who can be against you? Go chase your dream. We'll see you here Wednesday night at 7 o'clock. God bless you. Walk in the power of the Lord. New members class immediately after the service in the conference room. If you want information on joining our church, please meet me in the conference room right after this service. It'll take about 30, 40 minutes to do the class.